Hey folks, it's Marvin Cash, the host of the Articulate Fly, and we're back with another Southwest Virginia Fishing Report with Matt Riley. How you doing, Matt? I'm doing good, Marvin. How are you? As always, I'm just trying to stay out of trouble, and uh, I don't know if you got as much rain on your side of the mountains, but uh, we've been getting washed away here in Charlotte. Yeah, um, we've had a fair bit. I'd say the last couple of weeks, it's rained just about every other day at least, and um we've got rain in the forecast for the next for the next week so things are things are full and and rising in places but it hadn't been a hadn't been a washout but things are definitely on the high side um particularly up on the new and uh they'll be dropping but depending on how much rain we have in the next week um they'll probably stay in that full to slightly high range for at least the next couple of days yeah so you know with all that water moving through the system you know how do you have to change your smallmouth tactics to to get to the fish when there's that much water in the river um well depends on depends on the river and how the precipitation hits it you know that's one of the good things about having stream flow gauges um and i i use a a website to i believe uh, i should i should should know what it's called but i believe it's associated with noaa but it's basically a historical um like rainfall amount um map so you can go on and retroactively see how much rain fell where and in different watersheds and stuff like that um you can play that game you know if there's there's just a real quick burst you know you definitely want to go higher up in the system if it's a freestone river um and uh you know try to find some lower clearer water because um at least that's what i'm trying to find in the summertime for top water fishing and bigger fish a lot of the times um the new river is a little bit of a different beast just because you have a bunch of dams in the system and particularly the dam at Radford um, fluctuates sometimes uh, preemptively, you know, kind of um, moving water around from Quater Lake to, to, uh, you know, provide for some more room for water coming down river into the lake. And so sometimes you'll have higher water down low for longer, or sometimes you'll have higher water, on the upper river um, than there is on the lower river just because they've kind of already run a bunch of water out of the lake and now they're slowing the generation down so that the the water can get absorbed by the lake. But um, just paying attention to those stream flow gauges and um, on the new, you know, again, being a little bit different beast, um, that upper river is, is really where you're going to run into the clarity issues most of the time. Um, because all those all those those dams, um, they don't impound a lot of water. They're real small, short reservoirs, and the you know river just tends to run right through them. The lower river, even though the flow may come up to seven, eight, nine thousand cubic feet, um, it's it's primarily just pulling lake water. So it tends to be pretty clear. Um, what you would need to look for there is. Um, and thankfully, there's a few stream flow gauges on the tributaries, the big ones like Little River and Radford, um, Wolf Creek and Narrows and Walker Creek um, around Parisburg. Um, 
those are the those are the that that's where the dirty water on the lower is going to come from unless there's just a massive massive flooding event and we get up into that like 20 to 100,000 cubic foot range and um so just kind of using that data to uh to find your best condition set um and then you know it sounds pretty basic but if you've got high rising water i'm usually going to stick to the banks and probably um you can catch fish on top water flies in that higher water um particularly if it's uh you know fairly clear um particularly if it's a little bit brighter sunnier day um but if you've got some color you know i'm not i i fish streamers a lot in the summertime it's not an exclusively you know top water game so you know just kind of fish your conditions and um be aware that even though you know i say a lot of times that i think top water fishing particularly bug fishing is the best tactic for large fish in the summertime um not every day is gonna be a fantastic you know top water bugging day um you, you've got to read your conditions and you got to fish to those conditions um not every fish is going to be a great big fish day but you got to do what's going to work for you the best and and take what comes so that's that's what i would say about that yeah you can't you can't win if you don't play i guess if the water is up and stained in your fishing streamers are you looking for a uh, fly color with contrast maybe flash and maybe a rattle too um yes that's those are those are all great things um you're looking for softer water um they're generally not going to hang and and smallmouth are just lazy lazy fish especially when you know we get these big rainfall events we do get um and we certainly have this time um big water temp drop or um or at least it doesn't doesn't fluctuate a lot over the course of the day um because we've had cloudy weather and cooler weather so you're not getting the sun on the water and um they're they're gonna be they're gonna be fairly lazy fish so you're looking for you know slack water soft water um you know bright stuff chartreuse um contrasty stuff black and blue black and purple um darker you know in dirty water flash colors alike um copper red blue um purple that kind of stuff um whatever you think is going to show up rattle never hurts um i don't frankly i don't face a whole lot of rattles on my smallmouth flies but um can't hurt one bit yeah, well there you go i've got an interesting question for you too uh this came in and uh the the listener wanted to know kind of your thoughts on preferred casting angles uh when you're fishing top water flies from a boat for smallmouth yeah um i was <laughs> as you were as you were reciting that question um i was thinking about differences between wade fishing and boat fishing so i'm glad he said boat fishing um because that makes it easy um the the answer is almost always going to be downstream to some degree when i have when i have pe- two people on my boat usually especially if they can cast well um 
I'm going to keep, especially, especially in low water situations or kind of average stream flow situations, I'm going to keep the boat a good ways from the bank um, because it, particularly in low or average stream flow situations, those fish could be right on the bank in the shade line two inches from a root rod, but they could be, you know, cruising out in the middle of the river or on a, the edge of a shelf or something like that. Um, cruising further off the bank just grants it a little more stealth and spook fewer fish or hanging further off the bank. It's better for everybody because, you know, if, if there are fish hanging further off the bank um, and you're floating 40 feet from the bank, then the guy in the back of the boat basically getting nothing. Um, and even if they are on the bank, then, uh, you know, you guy in the front's pounding the bank and the guy in the back's not getting anything. So what I usually, um, try to enforce is having the guy in the front of the boat making, you know, long, like 45 degree downstream casts to, um, usually I'll have that person fishing off the bank, you know, off of the first shelf or any kind of interesting structure that's coming up kind of in line with the boat straight downstream ahead of the boat's perfect. Um, if you can, if you have a good target and if you can, you know, cast well and not hit the other people in the boat, um, if there's significant, you know, structural elements or cover, you know, if I'm running the boat, I'm either going to pull the boat further off the bank so you don't have to push straight downstream to hit that stuff or in a smaller river you can turn the boat sideways and fish two people straight downstream and then the guy in the back of the boat i usually have still fishing that kind of 45 downstream degree angle but maybe not quite as steep maybe kind of more in line with the oar or slightly ahead um and and going deep um that way the guy in the front's picking off you know, which you might spook out near the boat before you get there. And the guy in the back is hitting the stuff uh, that's right up on the bank that the guy in the front's not hitting and that you're hopefully not spooking with the boat. Um, but still, you know, downstream angle, you're still hopefully getting there before um, you get in there with your fly before the boat and the kind of sphere of awareness that comes with it is getting to the fish. Um and I say it's, it's the answer is almost always downstream. It also is the answer is downstream. If you're fishing any kind of um, like waking or diving topwater fly, like a, like a frog or a wiggle minnow or um, topwater creel X, anything like that. Um, I'm usually going to be fishing in a little bit more current, particularly those latter two. And I'm usually going to be trying to row the boat a little bit slower than the current speed so that there's some kind of swing going on. And that'll help that bow line tension, um, particularly if you're fishing with a fluid carbon leader, is going to help drag those flies subsurface and keep you tighter to them um, for hook sets and, and takes. Because if you're fishing a waking fly that you're you know potentially moving the rod tip and, and doing all kinds of things to animate um slack in the system is, is going to cost you some fish so that 
bow line tension in that situation um, is important. And, you know, a downstream cast is certainly important to initiate that whole sequence. So that would be my uh, semi-quick and semi-simple answer to that. Almost in a nutshell, but I think one of the, the really important things is, you know, a lot of what you said is really independent of smallmouth fishing. Cause I think one of the biggest things that I see a lot uh, fishing from a drift boat is the person, in the bow is not fishing far enough in front of the boat. Right. Exactly. And that's, I mean, I, I, I have this, I don't want to call it a fight, but it might get there sometimes with, with people a lot. If you're going to be in the front of the boat and not cast way downstream in front of the boat, you're kind of wasting your spot because that's, 80% of the advantage of being in the front is just you're in the stealthiest spot. You've got the biggest advantage. And when things get technical and fish get cagey, that makes a huge difference. Um, there's some days where even when both dudes are fishing perfectly, you know, down ahead of the boat, the guy in the front's still picking up 75% of the fish. And if you're not doing that, um, you might not, the whole boat might not be catching anything, you know? So it, it does make a huge difference. Yeah. And, and also not only you're missing an opportunity, you're screwing your fishing buddy in the back. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and it can get pretty tense. I won't, I've, I've seen some, uh, I haven't seen any, any, uh, fist fights, but I've seen some, some brotherly disputes and, and things born of that, that whole thing. So it's, uh, if frankly, if, if any, like you said, anytime you're fishing out of a boat and moving water, or not moving water. Um, basically, the number one rule is uh, don't hit the other people in the boat and cast in front of the boat. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And I mean, it's just, it's just, a, and the great, the other thing too is it's so important for the anglers to remember that because a lot of times guides will not referee that in their boat. That's true, um, and they they may referee it and they may get tired of saying it after about a hundred times too. So um <laughs> if if it's two o'clock in the afternoon and um you're thinking that the fishing's slow and you know your guide told you two hundred times in the morning to cast ahead of the boat but he's gone um pretty quiet recently that that might be something to try. <laughs> there you there you go. And you know, folks, we love questions at the Articulate Fly. You can email them to us. You can DM us on social media, whatever's easiest for you. If we use your question, I will send you some Articulate Fly swag. We are in a drawing for something cool for Matt at the end of the season. And Matt, uh, I know you're well booked into the summer and you know you're running out of real estate in the in the fall as well. Uh, you want to let folks know how they can reach out and uh, talk to you and get on your guidebook? Yeah, sure. Um, I got, as I said before, fall and winter are kind of open season on a lot of different things. Um, summer's totally booked. There's still some room for some early to, well, I guess mid to late fall smallmouth fishing. Um, started to book some, the biggest probably premium on dates is going to be um, new moon periods on muskies. Um, they tend to go the quickest and I'll start doing that sometime in October. I think the first new moon in October or the new moon in October this year is pretty early. Um, so that's, uh, started to book a lot of those. Um, 
if uh, you want to go look for some big brown fowl, smallmouth, uh, muskies, October to February or so is when I'll be working on that. And uh, just uh, reach out however you feel best. Website's mattreillyflyfishing.com and all the uh, contact info's on there. Yeah, well, there you go. Well, listen, folks, you owe it to yourself to get out there and catch a few. Tight lines, everybody. Tight lines, Matt. Thanks, Marvin.